You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Carter comes up shooting. Toronto Sport Matters podcast number 30. Guys, we're at the 30 podcast mark. Congratulations to us. Give ourselves a little pat on the back for that one. Thank you very much for tuning in, guys. We have a fantastic show lined up for you. Um, a little bit of Raptors talk going into the six. And another another gripe from Gregory Euroshottis. What's up, T-Dot? But as usual, we're going to start the podcast off from the very top. Um, so I guess we'll talk about the Toronto Raptors because this is a Toronto basketball podcast. Um, I guess last time we spoke, the Toronto Raptors were coming off a pretty impressive win over the Phoenix Suns. Just going to be a little bit of a breakdown this week. Toronto Raptors beating the Memphis Grizzlies. Toronto Raptors also beating the Sacramento Kings. Nothing really to write home about in two pretty shitty teams. <laughs> However, last night we lost to the LA Clippers. The shit shameful. of the shit. A shameful, shameful. loss. Uh, Greg will talk about that in nauseam for his gripe. That's my gripe. That's his gripe for the podcast. Um, I guess we'll start it off right off the top. Uh, Christian, I know you had some sort of... Uh, I'd say some uh, frustrations or annoyance with the recent play of C.J. Miles um, I, or maybe Dwayne Casey's utilization of C.J. Miles. Uh, we'll listen to a little soundbite of C.J. Miles talking about his transition over to Toronto Raptors and what he could bring to the table as a six-man. As you said, they almost had that built-in chemistry having played together with the 905 and whatever the last couple of years and then spending the summer together. How easy was it for you to kind of transition into that chemistry that they built or fit into um it was it was a kind of a natural thing i think just from the beginning um i, t- I tried to make sure that we we all saw, saw eye to eye on everything we were trying to do and that it was immediately about winning about making an impact and not about me being a veteran guy who needed shots or needed this or needed that tell everybody what to do or it was it was just about getting better and playing it well as a unit, and me and I encourage those guys to be themselves as much as possible because the better they are individually, the better we are as a unit because all of them bring something that makes us as dynamic as we are. And that's the biggest thing that's, that's helped us so much. It's just everybody trusts everybody. You got a good shot, you take it, you make the right plays. You don't make the right play, we let you know, but it's in the right way. We talk to each other, like, you need to pick it up or you need to do this or next time be here, be there, whatever it is. And we go on about it and we stop it the next way. It's never a lingering effect on anything. So, Christian, um, I guess we'll get at it from the top. What is your frustration with CJ Miles stem from? Um, what do you want to see more out of him? Yeah, what's your beef, man? What's your beef? Well, I mean, for me right now, CJ Miles is being used a little bit incorrectly, I think. Uh, it just seems like every single time he's out there, he's chucking threes and over 50% of them are pretty much contested. And he's just... It, it's, it's not going to work when he keeps doing stuff like that. I don't really know what the solution is, but one thing I would assume is that he's got to take more of a leadership role, especially off the bench. Uh, they do need some sort of a scoring punch right now, and it is turning into Van Vliet. The Van Vliet and Pirtle and, and Siakam show, and when that doesn't work, like we saw last night, there's, show. There's, there's really nothing. And even CJ Miles last night, I think he went three for four from the three-point line. He, he did fairly well, but uh, to me, he's got to start driving more. He's got to start kicking. I don't know. May, to me, maybe start utilizing him in the starting lineup a little bit. It's just he's got to start doing something a little bit different, and I don't know if it's Dwayne Casey that has to start writing better or drawing up better plays for him. But the way he's playing and the way that I see him out there, he gets what eighteen, maybe twenty minutes a night. That's it. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I just when we got and made this deal with Corey Joseph for him, I thought we were going to use him a lot more. To me, he was going to be a thirty-minute a night kind of a guy who's going to be in the starting lineup, who mm-hmm. is going to be you know getting maybe averaging fifteen a night, and. It, we haven't really seen anything like that, and there's been no real change either to 
to get him motivated and to get him sort of a big, as a bigger role in this lineup. So for me, that's uh, that's sort of what I've been sort of complaining what I've seen from CJ Miles. I think it's like default setting is to kind of embrace a sort of complementary role player sort of mentality, if that makes sense. And I think in the instance where um, how we're utilizing him, you're right. I I'd like to think I'd like to see him drive to the basket a little bit more. I'd like to see him get a little more creative with playmaking. He's um, been he needs he's to been be pump faking and driving. Right, That's right. He's I, recently started to do that because well, he doing that hasn't been. Falling. I just think he's capable of much more. I think he's a fantastic basketball player. He I is think, surprisingly good at many facets of the game. You're right. Like Graffin, don't get me like in correct, spurts. Correct he looks me great. If I'm wrong, but your frustration isn't the fact that like he's a good basketball player and he's doing a fantastic job with the organization. I think your frustration stems from the fact that there's so much more to his game that you see in little glimmers throughout each individual game, and you want to see that on a more consistent level. Exactly. His potential's not being reached, essentially. I, yeah, I, I, I agree with you uh, in terms of the... He hasn't quite lived up to expectations, especially because we kind of coveted him as this, like, you know, elite three-point shooter, right? Like, almost like a Kyle Korver. Yep. Um, and you know what? Like, I think the problem is that we're only using him that way. Like, he's running off, you know, he's running around like J.J. Redick off the ball, right? Um, instead of kind of getting his offense through the flow, right? Um, they're using him as that. And yeah, he's chucking up threes that are not just contested, but they're like bad shots. He's getting blocked on some of them as well. Yeah, like you he, know, it's like he's like fading back, kicking his leg out, just yeah. a quick release from. Uh, so I agree. And that's why I like that he's been pump faking and, and putting it on the deck. He's surprisingly creative and athletic. Like, he can finish yep. off the dribble or or kick. I think the issue is where... Because if you start him over Ananobi at this point, we, like, where's the offense going to come from off the bench? You know what I mean? Norman. Well, we've seen I, Powell and I, but Siakam. Powell, but Powell's and, been doing shit. Like, he hasn't been playing well. Like, like yesterday, I think, was the, was, was the pinnacle of that. Right, like Van so, Vliet. So, but but that's what I mean. Like between Van Vliet and a struggling pal, right now, I feel like we actually do need more from him in terms of production because, especially our bench has been struggling lately. Well, with the return of Delon right from a I, from an injury, like my question is like, is CJ Miles going to be the guy who's going to have to sacrifice minutes to accommodate the depth we have on our bench? Like, what's going to happen with Delon right? Because clearly, Fred Van Vliet's a rotation player. Okay, CJ Miles will will definitely get like big time minutes in the playoffs. I I think part of it's similar to how Casey maybe used Carroll. Like, I think ultimately he will fall back on giving him big time minutes. Now what what he does with those minutes I guess will remain to be seen, but I agree with you. He's You know what? You there, just there, there is a, a, a disconnect. You hit the nail on the head there and I think that's what it is and I I think I'm trying to get to the point. I don't know, maybe it just kind of came, but is is the way that Casey utilizing him as well as people like Damari Carroll sort of making turning them into pl- like a bad player almost like we saw Damari Carroll mm-hmm. go to Brooklyn Nets and all of a sudden sort of flourish like specialist like, for, like yeah exactly he, he doesn't really know how to utilize those like players Carroll almost being like a lockdown defender and not really allowing him to a three and D a three and D type of player right that's what we that's what we got him for so does is it on Dwayne Casey here or is it on CJ Miles because to me if you look at the history Dwayne Casey almost looks like he doesn't know how to use this three and D type of player yeah I mean that that could be part of it I think maybe the other part is that he's just kind of acclimating to like the system a bit and and there has been a lot of change like there's there's not a lot of consistency in how they're at like they can look different at, at any point in the game they're still getting tried out in all these different lineups um I I like when the bench guys look to get CJ going as bench dad I really do but they have to you know uh sir CJ has to be bench dad by not forcing it and sometimes he doesn't look like he's a mature player when he's just jacking up these not only contested shots but bad shots well, that keep are in contested. mind we're also talking yep. about a player who's shooting 37 percent for the three-point line so he is having a but fantastic Dwayne's season, telling but he, him to shoot no, too but much he can be, mm. you're right because he could be so much more efficient i see him as a yeah. 30 shooter based on the construction of this roster itself there you the, go right and that's what i mean like like it it's that you know casey it's just like when abaka came and it's just like yeah you're our stretch four like you're our go-to three-point shooter shoot all the time and like mm-hmm. it it doesn't 
necessarily come within the flow of things. They're going to find a way to use CJ, I think, properly. But by the time the playoff comes, we I think he might him, be in though. this. Yeah, absolutely. He provides such spacing for DeRozan and for Lowry. But okay, but that's why it frustrates me that him and Powell can't play better together because they should fit. You penetrate, he's on the perimeter. You know what I mean? Like, like just work on that two man game. I know, but I mean, look at how OG's used in the starting lineup. He's used as a sit in the corner, get your threes, and then play mm-hmm. defense. But the what happens if that was CJ Miles? Wouldn't we? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. know. No, to me, you're right. Okay, it, yeah, that and that's so, a great. Guys, you guys a quick question. So I was reading Bill Simmons' sort of like a weekly mailbag, and the mailbag he had this week was discussing potential trade scenarios for Demarcus Cousins. Mailbag. Mailbag. It's like a mail-in question. I see. A, okay. So, but anyways, the trade that. Bill a bag Simmons of mails. was kind of proposing, um, and I think this kind of pays heed toward uh, the global recognition of OG Ananobi's greatness, is that he thought it'd be a fair deal for us to trade OG Ananobi, a protected first, and Jonas Valanciunas for DeMarcus Cousins. Personally, that's a trade I make in a heartbeat, regardless of OG's mm-hmm. long-term upside, but I think it's an indication yeah, of I how saw that valuable too. he is as a player moving forward, how much respect he's garnering throughout the league. It's starting now. It's starting... To, you know, I said I said to my girlfriend the other week while we were watching, I'm like, this guy is the least appreciated like prospect right now in the league. Mm-hmm. But now, when people start to see the Raptors record, they're like, oh shit, this kid's been starting the whole time, and then they see him play, and he's like, he's the one like that's providing us with the energy mm-hmm. defense, and often er- like early scoring, except for right? last night. Well, you yeah. look at, well, look at like Except the evolution of a guy like Kawhi Leonard, for example. And I know people. Oh, he's, were, he's, he's were, yes, exactly. Like, he's people Kawhi. are making the Kawhi Leonard OG and Anobi comp quite a bit. Let's do it. But <laughs> you know, like you could, you can draw similar parallels between both guys. You of know, course. Kawhi Leonard started his career, sort of uh, his personality, too. the speed of this, the game, but also trying to figure out what type of player he is. I think the same thing's happy for OG and Anobi. I think we're like Graf was mentioning, specifically using using him as like a three point shooting D three and D type of guy. Start, but yeah. his game, like you could see it on his length. The speed, his quickness, his, his court vision, his he's IQ. coordinated. He's very exactly. coordinated. He runs a court very well, and he can just evolve into such a fucking like Sky's the, the, limit. the MLB version of a five-tool player. If that makes no, sense, it, uh, or the it, NBA version of the MLB's five-tool player. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. His, his I, you know, <laughs> it's so it's not just his skill set though, uh, Brandon. It's his personality. He's mm-hmm. extremely mild-mannered. Never gets flustered. And those are the players, right? Those are the players that, that you know. The guy's dad is like a, a a prof at a university in the states. He he's meant. You can see he's mentally. Uh, strong as well as as just athletically gifted, mm-hmm. right? And players like that that you know like are 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 not you know going to be um, too emotionally volatile. Mm-hmm. Who who can stay calm and reflect on their play? But they're going to get better. He's coachable, mm-hmm. right? So oh, I totally see the the comparison there. Let's start openly making that comparison. Please. <laughs> just a quick way. Why two point Would you rather have uh, Demarcus Cousins or Anthony Davis? Um, I'd probably take Anthony Davis. Okay, because you said you'd make that trade, right, for Demarcus Cousins, for yeah. Valanciunas, OG, and first. Is the best big man in the world. I just okay, see, so two different answers. I just see Davis is a little bit more of a fluid player, but like, listen, we're we're talking about like one A or one B. Yeah, no, I agree. Well, it's another similar question when you ask, would you rather have Marcus Saul or no, DeAndre? You get the added risk though DeAndre of Demarcus Jordan. with his um. Volatile presence, let's yeah, say. personality yeah. rather. All right, shifting topics. The uh, the Ringer dot com released a pretty interesting list of the top twenty five best players in the NBA. I don't want to bore our listeners with the tedious details of everything, um, but I'll let the uh, the guys from the Ringer justify why they essentially decide to omit Kyle Lowry and Demar Derozan from the top twenty five conversation. Both of them. We'll listen to that clip right now. Let's talk a little bit about the guys on the outside looking in, the honorable mentions. And Isaac, if we could cue up some really maudlin Drake. <laughs> we don't have rights to that. Uh, let's talk about the Raptors. <laughs> oh, because right. I, had DeRozan, I had DeRozan and Lowry on my ballot. So don't come okay. at me, Canada. I but did they did not make our top 25, despite Toronto putting together another competent, you know, what are they? The Raptors uh, are good. 15 and 7 <laughs> plus 7.5 differential. Awesome offense. Again, they're trying to modernize. Kyle Lowry is draining threes, yeah. but these guys didn't get on. Why? We're we just too used to it. 
I think for me personally, uh, I think I just don't find the Raptors all that intriguing. It's just like a aesthetic entertainment value sort of thing. And I think the one flaw of all of these rankings, whether it's this one, which is more of a uh, specific snapshot of the season or like kind of the NBA rank type of things, is it's more it catches the zeitgeist or kind of the public perception more than saying really honing in on where these guys are in the league, I think. Right. And I think it's just the uh, Toronto is kind of stuck in this cycle where they just keep doing the thing, same thing over and over. All right, guys. So um, I'm not going to go like in a detail about each player, but I want to give like a breakdown of the top 25. And I want you to guys to identify certain players in the top 25 that you personally don't think are better than DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry. So I'll start off with the obvious top 10. LeBron James, James Harden, Johnson and DeCoupo, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, DeMarcus Cousins, Anthony Davis. The Lativian gangbanger himself, Christophus Porzingis, Joel Embiid rounds out the top 10. Then going from 10 to 15, we have our 11 to 15, Russell Westbrook, Draymond Green, Al Horford, Ben Simmons, Damian Lillard, uh, 16 to 20 is LaMarcus Aldridge, Jimmy Butler, Andre Drummond, Paul George, Drummond. and Clay Thompson. And rounding out the 25 is John Wall, Victor Oladipo, Nikolai Jochik. Kemba Walker and Bradley Beal. Okay, so I'm going to start this off a Kemba break. Walker In what situation Beal. is Kemba Walker a more valuable player than DeMar DeRozan? When what situation is a guy like even Bradley Beal? Who has never won question? in the who has never won in the NBA? Well, my frustration is Victor Oladipo. Like Victor Oladipo is shooting a high clip for the three-point like three-point line. He can't sustain this entire season, but yeah. he's basically taking the carbon copy of what made DeMar DeRozan so great. Except yeah, he's doing he's it for one season. To the mean DeMar's too. been doing it for year after year after year. So my, my my frustration is that how the fuck does Victor Oladipo get number 22 over DeMar DeRozan, even though we're factoring in the season as well? Bias, his own, like, American Boston Celtics bleed green. Look, we heard it. Bill Simmons thought that. That was yeah. Chris Ryan, who's from Philadelphia. And he Don't was work for him? stating support. Maybe they're trying well, to... Well, Philadelphia, none of them, like... You Look, know we heard what they said. They said that the, they don't include the Raptors on this podcast because they're not entertaining enough. They don't like the way that the Raptors play the game. I heard an interesting quote, and this, but, this, like, if, if this is like the perceived uh, quote of how fans sort of view the Raptors organization. They're a 2011 Apple MacBook with a brand new video card in it. Disrespect! <laughs> <laughs> so, Greg, uh, where, where does DeMar DeRozan and Kyrie Lowry fall... Not Kyrie Irving, sorry. Uh, Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan fall into this top 25 discussion? Now, look, Lowry, you could have made the argument, I think, eh, over the past, like, two, three years that he's a top 25 player. I don't know about this year because... He, although he's been great, oh, for he us, turned it up lately. From though. a, a lead, no, from a leadership, just his numbers, right? When you look at, at the players' numbers, like Demar Derozan is still putting up big numbers, right? He, even you know his steals are up, his assists are up, uh, his rebounds are up. I'm pretty sure the only thing that went down is his scoring, but I'm pretty sure his field goal percentage is up. Demar Derozan is a certified killer. He is a certified elite scorer in the NBA, and now he's expanded that. And become a complete basketball player, and he still doesn't find his way over Andre Drummond, Victor Oladipo, Kemba Walker. Although he's been on a winner, he's been leading a winner, despite the fact that he's been getting nothing but hate. And and I mean, I mean, hate's not even the word. What do you say? I mean, they won't even discuss the Raptors. They won't even discuss him. Exactly. Right? And that's he's been completely ignored. Right. I don't know. To me, Kyle Lowry falls in the between. 23 and 25 and DeMar DeRozan's a top 20 player but I'm just saying for them when they're because they, they're these uh, was this only for the this was only for the first X amount of games of the season right yeah like, they're not taking into account like how the player has has played in previous years and led a playoff well, even team or whatever so, so why is John Wall there when it, when he's been injured for a why is quarter of this 17th quarter 17th overall like I, I, yeah I, I, great point these, these, this ranking great like points. some of it makes sense and some of it makes absolutely no, but, no that's, sense it's just it's just bias it seems to be just straight up like American like bias. How is Yochik more uh, like a more of a valuable player at this point of his career than Demar Derozan? I think this list Con- is yeah, considering that they've never he's he's never won. He's never right. They also have uh, Oladipo on the list at twenty two. Yeah, we and I would argue that Oladipo is a top twelve, top fourteen player. No way. In the le- 
Look what look at for the numbers season, you for, mean? for, for season, what's happened yeah, so far. Absolutely. Sure. I mean, they have right now in this. I mean, Oladipo is his numbers don't lie. He's yeah. up there. He's an all star for sure, mm-hmm. and he's the reason the Pacers are are, what, are doing what they're but doing. It's just a small sample size too of some of these players. It is right. Like like now, Quartermark, for instance, is 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 it's figuring out that Ben Simmons can't shoot. Yeah, but I think it's why a matter- does he deserve to right? Like like he hasn't ever led a winning team. Exactly. I think it's a factoring, and like obviously you're factoring in. The recent performance, these players—we're only at the quarter season mark right now. But it's also factoring. But the league is going to adjust to him, right? It's also like factoring in history as well, like how, like consistently. No, they seem to be not valuing history. They seem to not be. I'm talking about Demar Derozan specifically, and that's why they don't value him because they're not valuing history, right? All right, guys, transitioning over to Toronto's favorite segment, the six sponsored, not sponsored by Diamond sponsored Pizza. By. Sponsored by Diamond Pizza. Not, no affiliation in Diamond Pizza. FYI, we just really like your food. Please don't sue us. Graffin loves your poutine. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll start this off with um, the best and worst free agent signings of this season. So I made a little bit of a list. You guys can uh, chime in if you want, agree, disagree, um, maybe tell me how brilliant I am for some of these. Get- no, I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to start with the point guard position. Uh, I'm going to start off with the best free agent signing, and I'm not going to go with like the most obvious names, like the 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 the, the biggest names out there. I'm looking. F- I'm trying to dig a little bit deeper. Um, so sleepers, sleeper. as the fantasy world sleepers, would say. Maybe. Brandon loves the sleepers. Some of them are sleepers. Some of them are noticeable players. I'm going to start off a point guard. I like the signing of Darren Collison on the Indiana Pacers. I just think the two-year, Good $20 answer. million dollar contract is a very fair money for a guy who's averaging like 12 and 7 right now, who's a perfect complementary point guard in the backcourt of Victor Oladipo. A guy that doesn't necessarily have to have a ball in his hands, who's a decent spot-up shooter. I just think the way he's playing this year justifies the contract. The worst contract for me the point guard position is... It's a three-year, $57 million contract that George Hill signed with Sacramento Kings. That now he's all well, like disgruntled over. Well, what happened was Scott Perry, who was formerly the GM of the Sacramento Kings, made all these splashy free agent signings, including guys like Zach Randolph and Vince Carter. What is Scott this, 2007? Perry, Scott <laughs> Perry taking yeah. the job with the New York Knicks. But George Hill, from my understanding, signing his contract right? was under the impression that the Kings were going to compete yeah. for a playoff swap this yeah. year. Scott Perry flipped over to the New York Knicks as a GM, or signing with the New York Knicks as a GM, and and George Hill is stuck in a situation where, uh, you know, the head coach of the of the Sacramento Kings, uh, David Yager, is basically trying to play the young guys as much as possible. I think you can see how that's not really working out this season, especially with Deron Fox's performance. <laughs> yo, Zach Randolph is killing Raptors, it. But, but yo, why no, would no, you I'm be so, so stupid let me, if let me, George me, to believe that, so that going, they can actually compete? So George Hill didn't play the fourth quarter yesterday at all. He released a tweet with like 20 angry, angry emoticon faces. faces. Um, so that's probably the worst for Asian signing. I think George Hill has decent trade value. I think a team that's looking for that like like complimentary sort of swing guard guy, like maybe off the bench. For that money now, though? It's a difficult right? contract to trade, hence why I think it's the worst. But uh, that's a, how could he believe that paying him that much <laughs> with the players that Sacramento has, mm-hmm. they would be competing for a playoff spot? No, it's, he's, he's an idiot. He's then. delusional. He's delusional. He, <laughs> yeah, right? he got a, he got a ton of money though. Take your fucking yeah, money but then stay there, though, right? I the man got paid. Who cares if he's gonna make the playoffs or not? I mean, we feel be happy and play basketball and serve as a or mentor. the jazz. Like, what do you like? What are you looking for in your career? I, 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 it doesn't make any sense to me. Well, we feel so bad about Jaleel Okafor when he doesn't get to play over there, but like when when someone like George Hill who wants to play. We feel, you know what I mean? Like I don't know. Maybe it's what? what, what can they trade him now? Have like, is there anything they can do? Playing, though he's been clanking shots. Let Daron Fox get out there then, get some reps. You want to talk about it. clanking shots? Daron Fox. Need to shoot. He just needs to drive to the basket. <laughs> he's shooting thirty percent. What else you got on that list? All right, going to the shooting guard <laughs> position. Not many great shooting guard signings in the offseason, so this one's a little bit of a forced take, personally. But um, I'm going to say Tim Hardaway Jr. And listen, I know his contract is massive for. Years seventy-one million. No, he's played great, but he's the perfect complementary piece to Kristaps Porzingis, and he's yeah. the perfect piece to an evolving team. Um, for me, Tim Hardaway Jr. has been like a primary ball handler in certain situations for the Knicks, but he's also the kind of guy that, in this instance, where they're sort of they don't really have secondary scoring beyond Kristaps, he's that perfect guy to play three and D. Um, you know, it's not the kind of guy that you need a. Create plays for he just sort of fits in with the like the flow of the game, 
And also, like, if they do bring in a couple free agent signings next season, he's the kind of guy that can slide into the rotation. Like, you don't have to, like, worry about how is Tim Hardaway Jr. going to acclimate yeah. the playing style of this it's, guy. Uh, yeah, it's he a just good, fits in. You it's, know been I mean? a good, it's proven to be a good signing. 17.8 points per game, 4.2 rebounds, 3.3 That's good. Um, assists per game, and he's shooting 40% from three. So... I know it's a lot of money to give a guy, but I view him like if if the bread man Contavious Caldwell Pulps it making eighteen million dollars a season, then why the fuck can't Tim Hardaway Jr. make that much money? Like he's clearly a substantially man. better player than him. He's like a he's like a homeless man Jimmy Butler. That's the kind of way I kind of view Tim Hardaway well, Jr. Wait, how much is he making a year? Uh, he's making like eighteen. Okay, but you know what? Like he could be like a third scorer on okay. a good on a good team. It's not an awful contract. My worst contract in shooting guard position, I got two guys here. Um, the, one guy is someone like we we know who he is. He's been in the league long enough to discern that he is not a NBA caliber basketball player, and that's Ben McLemore signing a two-year, $10.7 oh. million dollar deal with the Grizzlies. I think the idea of Ben McLemore actually outweighs the practicality of him. He's like, he, <laughs> he's like program high, super athletic like, from Kansas yeah. who was recognized as a three-point shooter and obviously hasn't translated to the NBA game, and I don't understand at, like what his fourth, fifth season, the Grizzlies would want to take a stab at bringing him into the fold. My second worst free agent signing for uh, the shooting guard position is Vince Carter's one-year $8 million contract with the Sacramento uh. Kings. A guy realistically shouldn't be in the league anymore. 2.8 points per game, shooting 32% from the field. Um, do, you, do, you, like, do you guys think Vince Carter could find a niche with another team, or is his career just done at this point? No, I think he can find a niche. Yeah. I, I think mean, his bench grandfather for the Raptors. For the Raptors, there you go. We have another spot ready there. <laughs> I am paying that veteran's minimum, man. He gets no royalties. <laughs> do you uh, do you like that Contavious Caldwell Pope uh, deal? It doesn't make sense for like. I guess it made sense before the season started. Because yeah, exactly. Had high hopes for the Lakers, and yeah. don't really know Alonzo Ball's upside, but you can clearly see where he's at. Uh, when it comes to the, the, the developmental stages of his career and also the development of the team in general, it just it's a point. Yeah, that life. falls into the same boat as like a JJ Redick. They're both signing. they're both one year deals. Yeah, they're exactly. a lot of money, but whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So small forward position. Um, I got four four players for best signing for the. For the well, small which one's position. the best though? All right, I'm gonna go to <laughs> who's my, number one. All right, number one's PJ Tucker for me. Four years, yes. thirty-two million dollars. Okay. Yeah. Um, just, He's a center right now. Yeah, but <laughs> well, like thinking about like okay, so I have. I have P.J. Tucker as my best region signing at the small four position. I have Andre Robertson as my worst region signing. And the reason why I say this, both guys are kind of similar. Like, they're both sort of like, you know, fifth best guy on the court for their team, sort of high-energy yeah. defensive player. But P.J. Tucker is such a substantially better player because he can drain that open three. And him and Le- It's Luke, also about fit, right, well, on like the Luke team. Like, Luke Mabut on, like, the Houston Rockets as well. Luke like, Mabute? both those guys... Whatever, I fucking butchered his name, as I butcher everyone's name in the NBA. But no, like, both those guys like like stylistically fit so well with the Houston Rockets well, offense. They needed they they also needed the defensive toughness. Exactly, exactly. Uh, and uh, I I don't know if Andre right now that team that Thunder team needs another outlet clearly for the ball. Well, okay, before and, we get to right Andre now it's Robertson, 5 on 4. I want to talk about another great free agent signing of small forward position, and that's Rudy Gay. Two-year, $17 million contract with Spurs, averaging 12.4 points per game, 5.6 rebounds, shooting 48% from the field in 23.5 minutes per game. The only reason why I'm saying that is that he's kind of kept the team afloat with Kawhi Leonard out. Well, Isn't Spur- that more a testament to the Spurs system? The Spurs are the Patriots. Such a- They're like the Patriots, right? They just yeah. bring someone in. They know exactly his role, and I he just fits find it, it hard to like. Uh, what was it a smart free agent signing? Props Greg? to Rudy Gay. What was it, Greg? Was it a smart free agent signing? Regardless. Oh yeah, of Rudy no, Gay's. no, no, for sure. I'm just there giving the credit to, to Greg Popovich over him. And <laughs> going back to the worst free agent signing, the small four position has Andre Robertson, who signed a three-year, thirty million dollar with the Sacramento or sort of the Oklahoma City Thunder. We talked about this last week, Greg. He's playing 26 minutes per game. He's averaging four shots per game how do you play a guy like that he shouldn't like but that's the thing he shouldn't even be shooting it right like like every time he gets the ball he should he's driving so they they really play play off him mm-hmm. because they can react to his movement after mm-hmm. he's just he really needs to go back to like or no he needs to get on a team that doesn't you know he could go and actually strangely enough I think well no he couldn't play on the Rockets because he can't shoot what great. team what he team go- what team you're Carmelo Anthony Paul George and Russell Westbrook and Steven Adams for like no, you're right. I don't know. Offense, you can't. There's no other team out there. The you know what? No, but it just makes ball movement impossible on that team because like uh, to 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 be a credible ball movement team, the ball has to like 
teams have to react to the fact that, oh, the ball could go there. Mm-hmm. And then we have to be right up on that guy because he can shoot it at any time. Like the only yeah, way it doesn't fits, work, in my opinion, would be like a small ball, like Golden State Warriors lineup with like Draymond at center and Kevin Durant at power forward. That's the only way that Andre Robertson could even be a serviceable offensive option. In the I NBA. don't think, but I don't think in big playoff games against elite teams he can be. I think you really have to have five guys on the court that defenses have to respect. Yeah, he can't oh, hit a free throw oh, though. Oh, yeah, no, that's what I mean. Like, like, uh, but he can't hit an, an open mid range two. Like technically, the, the team can just you hack need to a be Robertson. Able to hit, uh, like a hundred percent accuracy. Almost right, yeah. A hundred like you, uh, open mid range twos to play uh, like professional basketball, you know, because you need to make the defense you have to keep the defense honest, and he doesn't keep defenses honest, him being out there, especially with Adams, because then Adams is always around the basket, so it's like they have a laneway oh, that the Thunder play the, on, you know what I mean? They don't actually space the court properly, yeah. The team has a lot of issues, all right. Lots moving down to power four. Whoa, wait, hold on, you went through all four there, right? I, I only gave you two, we, we only have a I was going to say, just because Tyreek Evans for me well, is number I have, one. I have Tyreek Evans. I have He's CJ number Miles one. on this list. CJ Miles and Trey. Yeah, okay, I, I know. I, but. I, I say CJ Miles because, like, one like one. Just don't like the way we're using him. has, like, completely changed the like the offensive philosophy of an organization. So I'm going to say CJ Miles for the better. Um, Tyreek going the Evans. For, going to the power forward position, I'm going to go with Taj Gibson. Um, two years, $28 million, 11.2 points per game. As the worst? 8.4, no, best. 8.4 rebounds, shooting 55% from the field. And he's the only guy, like, on the Timberwolves who's, like, actually playing, like, transition defense to a certain degree. Um, joke. Exactly. I think I think that me saying that Taj Gibson is the best power forward free agent signing is a testament to how shitty or dysfunctional the Timberwolves are. Um, Carl Anthony Towns looks like he just can't play defense, man. I th- it's, it's, it's like weird. he got you, skinnier. Well, you get a coach like Tom Thibodeau who's developed a reputation as like a defensive mastermind, and these guys can't get back on defense. But like, doesn't it say though? It it goes to show like it's difficult for young big men to learn the speed of the NBA. Like when you have to anchor a defense, and like mm-hmm. we saw this with JV. Like I've been watching it for years with Casey trying to. And I know people say, look, JV's not an amazing uh, perimeter defender, but he actually gets the switch like if you watch him you know he knows where to be like his movement is he's been taught the basics of the game and it takes a long because you're you're anchoring it you actually have to communicate things to guys that are in front of you you have to know defense better than the guards well the The separation between Jonas and Carlton Towns would be like Carlton Towns when it comes to his athleticism, his yeah, physicality, exactly. he has all the physical tools That's to be so a great lockdown defender. It. He just hasn't developed the 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 intelligence and the IQ and the switching involved to be a dominant defender. And they have the a good NBA. coach too. Like they have Could Tom Thibodeau. Be like a bit simple. What do you do? You never know. You never but know. Like what do you do? Right? It's just like okay. This guy, like, he's just not getting it. At what point, you but know? But it, it looked like he was getting it when he was playing in Kentucky with Cal Perry. Like, he, he seemed to get it out of him. Yeah, those teams are just so much more talented I, I than I agree. Everyone, I agree. No, like, they really sure. are. Like, I can't... I, it's about... The the NBA game is different. He just has so, so much physical tools, like you said. And he was so much bigger than everyone in college. Now, right, if he's a step mm-hmm. off, right, on his coverage, it's a dunk in his face. Mm-hmm. And and also, he remember, he has to cover for other people. So you have to be able to predict plays ahead of time. And that's why it takes young big guys a few years. It's rare that a rookie big man will be, like, dominating. Guards, you see it much more often. They come in with, with, with their fast twitch quicks and their eight, right? Whereas the big men, they got to put on some 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 pounds. So maybe just growing pains. They can't right all now, be Joel Embiid. <laughs> all right, going yeah, through right? my... They cannot, uh, right? My worst monster, an power forward monster. signing in the offseason um, is Daniil Gallinari. I, uh, hey, that's what I was going to say. Perfect. The, see, the issue with like, the LA Clippers' biggest issue the last few seasons, Lob City, was um, not really having that like perfect 3-4 forward position guy on the team. Um, and, you know, obviously they cleared some cap space, so Chris Paul elected to go to the Houston Rockets. And now you have, a, like, I guess, like, the concept of Daniel Gallinari and the Clippers was very cool and interesting coming in the season. But oh, he's in L.A., right? Like, the guy has just played, like, complete dog shit when he's actually been on the court. Is that fair, though? Like, I, f- no, I, no, I agree. It's, it's been all, like, He's shooting 34% there. from the no, field, he's okay? Been he's shooting 20. It doesn't matter. It's three, three years, 65 million. Like, that's three the years, issue I have with That's a lot of million money. million a season for a guy averaging 13.4 points and 4.4 rebounds per game. I would never give that money they to someone need, like Danilo Gallinari. And they Gallinari. need him to like, not only be on the court, but like... Would you trade the, Jonas Valanciunas for him? No. 
$22 million a season, Greg. No. That's yeah, a lot of money. Okay, let's, let's finish this quickly. Best center, uh, one year, $4.3 million contract. The Celtics signed Aaron Baines, 5.8 points per game, 5.3 mm. rebounds. Not the really sexiest name out there, but. I'm like, sorry, but it's, I'm sorry, but it's Dirk. He gave his team a discount. Ten year, I can ten million dollars, ten million, two years. I like I said, <laughs> no, I was Baines looking was for a good sleepers. signing. You're right, Brandon. Well, that's a Baines was an important signing for Boston because it makes them tougher. They just need that and big body that, that missing yep, last year, so yep. Baines makes sense. The worst free agent signing, and I hate to say it's because he is a Canadian, but Kelly Olynyk, four year, fifty million dollar contract. I don't think he's been a bad player, but he's not a he's starting not caliber player. He's like a seven eighth guy off the bench. You're talking four years, fifty million dollars for a guy averaging nine point two points per game, 5.3 re- rebounds, and tw- in 20.7 minutes per game. I just, I, I, I don't see much value in that Well, they haven't really been using him. I mean, they started using him in the starting lineup now that uh, Whiteside's gone down, but again, he doesn't get the minutes he was getting. He's not shooting as well as he was in Boston. It seems like he kind of got the money, now is in Miami, and is just... Checked out. <laughs> I hate to say also, it. Like Kelly Olynyk, it's from like Kamloops, British Columbia. Like, he is. He's in my. Can you like? What is he doing in Miami? Like he's. Like, you see Kelly Olynyk in a fucking nightclub. Well, have you heard the guy speak? He, oh well. Well, we heard him last week on our podcast in the intro. Oh, I'm Kelly Olynyk. I'm gonna I'll go to the club. That was on. Kelly Olynyk. Yeah, yeah, no, I didn't. That's so funny. Yeah, they're asking like like what's going <laughs> on, and he has no idea. He's like, oh, we have tons of. Great bars up there, you know, in Toronto. Got a couple sushi bars. Um, all right, guys, transition to the next topic on the six. I'm going to throw it to Christian Graffin. Uh, pretty big trade uh, this week. Jaheel Okafor is finally free. They freed him. They freed him. He's uh, he's out of the 76ers, going to the Brooklyn Nets in a package, including Nick Stauskas and a second-round pick, Trevor Booker, going to the Philadelphia 76ers. Christian, what is your take from this trade? So I'll tell you specifically what I like about it from Philly's perspective. So for for me, uh, again, Trevor Booker is one of those players that in the games that I've seen since the trade has happened or the trades occurred, they've used him a lot. They use him as that spark plug. And again, Joel Embiid went out of the game or didn't play in his last uh, two games because of a sore back. To me, that's a little bit worrisome when Joel Embiid is getting scratched last minute. Well, it's hard to play professional minutes when you've been sitting on the fucking bench for three years. Yeah. You know, you got to get back into playing shape or but something. But they have been they have been taking care of him. Like, he doesn't play back. to Anyways, so he gets a sore back. They trade Julio Okafor, who they're not using at all. So it's really, to me, just they're, they're trading Nick Stauskas for Trevor Booker. And that means that Stauskas, they're just kind of worried, I think. They're a little bit worried about Embiid, and I guess they just want to have a backup, Mm -hmm. uh, a big, powerful uh, guy that, honestly, if he's playing at the top of his game, he could play the four in the starting lineup there with Embiid at the five. And Hmm. and again, he fits in. He fits into their system. And Stauskas wasn't really being used too much there. They already have JJ sort Redick. That role's, JJ yeah, Redick. that role's filled. And but, for them, they could afford it. But dude, what what was Okafor drafted? Third overall. One pick before Chris o- for Zingas. Third overall pick for trading for Trevor Booker. In the process, and, there are some and places that And a fall. young three-point shooter. Like, they, no, they had an embarrassment of riches over there. Yeah, and, I think it's a great they, trade for but, both teams. Uh, but you know what? Like, seeing like what happened to Nerlens Noel... Well, hold Delilio on, hold on. Before, before we get into this, let's Sorry. listen to uh, Charles Barkley chime in quickly. Sir Charles. Sir Charles. We'll listen to his take We make on him sound so smart. Trade. I think Okafor can play in this league. For some reason, everybody want to play small. Big, uh, you got Boogie Cousins down there playing great. You got Big Cat out in Minnesota uh, who are terrific players. But all of a sudden, everybody want to go small. I think Okafor can play in this league. He's a 21-year-old kid. I think that's a great trade. I think the guy, I forget his name, Sean... Uh, the general manager in Brooklyn doing a fantastic job up there. Uh, Sean Marks, thanks in the ear. Um, but uh, I love the process. So just kind of coming back, um, one of the things that like really excites me about this trade is the Brooklyn Nets attaining a guy like Jihil Okafor and a former top 10 pick in Nick Stauskas. Like, it's that wacky sort of experimental organization where like they can't fuck up because they fucked up so badly already, right? They can do whatever <laughs> the hell they want. And Barkley was talking about Sean Marks, who's been, in my opinion, one of the best GMs in the league when it comes uh, in conventional thinking. I think that's how the box of how to assemble a roster. Former Raptor. Jihil Okafor is just, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting guy to add. I, I know that he's sort of archaic when it comes to the evolution of the game. He's kind of like a Greg Monroe type. 
But why not make that trade? Why, <laughs> why not, not see what you get from the guy? Why not see what you can get by giving Nick Stauskas actual consistent minutes per per night? You know what I mean? Like Brand, what? Like what? Can, like Brand, I know these guys have been in the league for a while, and I know the I'm big man isn't going anywhere. I know I mean okay, I was hypocritical. Right? I know I was being hypocritical. Know that. Give me one second, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I know I was being hypocritical before saying Ben McLemore. Uh, we what we see is what we get with him, and the same thing can be said about Nick Stauskas. But I just like the concept of why not? Why not making that fucking trade? Why not? The Grizzlies obviously in a different situation than Nets. I just like the experimentation and bringing a guy like Okafor and stuff. If you're the Nets, hold. it's great. Why not? Because right? Fuck. No, but I'm saying like the, the whole idea where you say like oh like he's you know an outdated center or something. The oh, you see the big man like and Joel Embiid kind of proves it right. The big man isn't going anywhere. Like like although some people. Would say, oh, you know, he can't shoot the three or whatever. It's not the three. It's on, he's it's a not, good low post It's on his offense scorer. whatsoever. He is absolutely mm-hmm. a great low post player. But if that is your bread and butter, you have to be a competent defender on the other side but of the he's ball. The, but that he's you can a learn terrible, horrendous defender. Even in college, he may be one of the most creative low post scorers in the NBA. But when it comes to the other side of the ball, he is a horrendous. Defender. Yeah, he'll fit right in with D'Angelo Russell. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Uh, I hate your guts. All right, moving on to the next topic of discussion. Last night, a very interesting game. Um, last night, 130-123 Houston Rockets and New Orleans Pelicans played some fantastic basketball. But there's also Fucking a little bit of story it. into the Etwan Moore, 36 points. He went off for, for he 36. He went off for 36, my boy Etwan Moore. It's your favorite player. Um, Love the Pels, man. I love the power. Forget Drew Holiday is the worst signing when that's one Moore's doing that. Drew Holiday, man, yes, did you forget the game that we were at and he went off for like 37 points last night? 30 something points that well, night. Just give, Rojan give Rondo triple chance. double 13, 12, and 12 as well. Who? Uh, Rojan Rondo. See? Christian's favorite basketball player of all time. Yeah, he's awesome. I told you he's still yo, he's still got it, man. Rondo's still balling, man. But let's talk about Can't the New Orleans shoot. Pelicans for a second. Greg, I know you want out of a brief discussion about the Pelicans' nope. recent play. What, what intrigues you so much to this organization? And what is their upside in this season when it comes to being a viable uh, championship contender? They flip like conventional logic about like where the NBA is going and like wh- how teams need to be sort of planning for the future, what's an asset and what's not in terms of winning basketball games. And I think, um, you know, the, the experiment, so to speak, this experiment proves very much that if you have a dominant front court, you can be competitive in the modern NBA. And those two are a dominant front court, and they are dominating. Mm-hmm. If they had a little bit more help, and that can come very easily now, they are a contender, not just a playoff contender. They are a re- I mean, I think. They're 500. Yeah, but what if you put pieces around them that weren't Jameer Nelson, Yeah, but right? they can't afford and that, like, really. You know, uh, Josh Smith. But mind you, that's part of why I actually like them. Is because they got these guys, right? These like the forgotten about NBA gone. players. I don't, I don't. They, they let him go. They're the misfits of the NBA. Yes, right? exactly. Right. Um, hey, you gotta love what D Cuz has done this year. The guy's an MVP candidate. No. Yes, he is. Look at his numbers. That doesn't care. He's he, just five hundred. They're never like gonna 40 win. Forty something points. Twenty something rebounds. The guy is a legit MVP candidate this year. He's Not the even best, close. He is the best center in the world. 26.1 points per game, 12 and a half rebounds, uh, block and a half per game, steal and a half per game, 23.46 PER as well. Uh, what's his, sorry, how, how, how many points? 26.1. 26. How many rebounds? Oh, I just said all this. 12.5. <laughs> 12.5. <laughs> No, I, I, Threes, free throw percentage is high. He's a great player. I think I what think makes the Pelicans so intriguing is just the concept of a team going against the grain of what you view as a modern NBA team when it comes to the construct of the team. Yeah, you know, exactly. like a, like a team that's put like like by two big centers, a point guard who's primarily a, pol- a, a playmaker. You know, it's a really wacky organization in theory, but like no, it's fun to watch. It's fun to watch it. It's like old school basketball. It's like where it's like two thousand five. No, over but again. it's not because Demarcus Cousins is jacking up threes on the break, and he's hitting them. Right, yeah. so it's still they they still actually manage to play when he's not ejected from a game. Stop. Well, and that's the thing, right? So for me, this also proves why I like watching them is that he can be a leader on a winning team, right? He he hasn't been getting ejected this year. Anthony, you know what's funny? He has. He's rubbed off. No, no uh, not as much. He's yeah, rubbed more off than usual. On, hold on. He's rubbed off <laughs> on the brow. 
The Brow. I've seen him much more aggressive. He's got kicked out of two games, I think, so far this year. He's going off. I like it. It's like they've had a, a balancing effect on each other. Everything you've told me is the reason why he should could never be considered for the MVP this Who? year. Like his like his cousin, he's the exact opposite of a leader. He gets no, kicked out of games. Year, he's trying though. to get his team more like. He talked to two teammates this year. They're all very impressed by his leadership. They, right, he's he's been very good in, in in the locker room. What this season so far has shown me is that I think he can be a champion if he can continue to keep it, his mindfulness and stay focused. Right, well, he he lets these little things bother him, man, and 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 his greatness he still does. being no, but that's something too that you see in the right it. environment, you can grow out of that as a player. You see it last week, and he was like chasing yeah. Kevin Durant out of the building. Yeah, I did. Yeah, he was trying to get at Durant after he got ejected from man, the game. Durant, if you watched that like, play, Durant was the one talking that shit to him. He's okay, Demarcus. Forget relax. The Warriors, man. Okay, so transitioning to uh, uh, he's not next, winning on the Pelicans. The next portion of the six, uh, Greg. I know you want to talk about the other team, the winning team of that uh, that evening last night against the Pelicans, the Houston Rockets. Uh, I'm going to keep it quite simple. Do you think they're a viable threat to the Golden State Warriors? Could they win the NBA championship this year? Uh, maybe, man. Like uh, those two. Kind of answer is that. No, well, who knows, right? Do I think? Yeah, I think they can. Will they? Who the hell knows? Probably not. They have to go through the Warriors. But uh, I was listening to Hubie Brown talk about them when the season started. Now, for those who don't know, Hubie Brown is like a dinosaur. He's been around the NBA for like seventy years. A fossil. Okay. Former guard for the. Atlanta <laughs> but Hawks. a fantastic commentator. I love Hubie Brown's commentating. He uses the best words. Anyways, and he was saying these two together, Brandon, mm-hmm. can be. Not just, you know, they could be one of the all-time great backcourts, if not the greatest, most prolific backcourt in history. Mm-hmm. And when he said that, I, 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 I cued into that. And you could see why. And This two-headed monster that, that they create. And I thought it was going to work, man. Chris Paul will make it fucking work. That Even Eric Gordon, basketball. though, like coming off the bench. like he They had, make everyone better. He makes Chris Paul makes everyone better. You know what they were experimenting better. with? Net I saw the other day. Effect. Putting Ryan, Ryan Anderson at center. And having like this super small ball lineup, and I was watching their offense, and it was incredible because like you have to play James Harden one on one on those offensive sets, and like just his ability, just so quickly and decisively plow to the lane. It's incredible, like how each guy on that organization complements each other. Stay in front. They even talk about Eric Gordon this season. Like his shooting is a little bit inconsistent, erratic from previous seasons, but he got his legs back, man. That guy is the most aggressive guy when it comes to driving the lane. He will run up to any big man and just drive his head right to his chest and toss the ball. In the basket. He's a uh, he's a fun guy to watch. I. Uh, what do you think? Raph, Christian? What do you, do you think, think about Houston? See, what they're doing is they're putting like they're going even smaller than that. PJ Tucker is playing the five, and they've been <laughs> doing so this crazy. now in the fourth quarter in games. PJ Tucker's strong enough to box I out people, and basically he's playing the five. And exactly like you said, they're spreading out the floor so that either Chris Paul or James Harden gets an isolation against their defender, mm-hmm. and that defender is now completely screwed because Harden's going to get by anyone or step back and shoot at anyone. You know what? You know why they're practicing that lineup, right? It's in prep for the Warriors. For the death Warriors, lineup, right? With with Draymond at the center. Honestly, yeah. they look like right now a team that I think could easily contend with the Warriors. I think at that they could push them. Exactly, they could push them to a seven game series. I and could who see knows that. what happens then, right? And exactly, they've impressed me, and they're eleven and zero right now with uh, Chris Paul and James Harden both playing. Mm. Pretty mm. impressive. All right, guys. One of the. Um I guess more exciting storylines this week is the um, return of potentially the best player in the NBA. He's playing tonight for the San Antonio Spurs. We're talking Kawhi Leonard. Speaking of teams to compete with, however, the San Antonio Spurs have kept the ship afloat, uh, maintaining a 19 and 8 record um, through the improved play of LaMarcus Aldridge, the much maligned LaMarcus Aldridge, especially last season, who couldn't really find his fit within the organization. Christian, you want to talk about how does Kawhi Leonard impact the the look of the organization in the sense that how does it impact the other players on that team? Who's going to lose minutes? Who's going to whose play is going to be impacted the most, or is going to be business as usual? Well, look from an organizational standpoint, like they are right now a top five defense, and Kawhi Leonard is the 
defensive player of the year that's coming back and is going to make this team unstoppable. And again, talking about teams that can compete with Golden State, I definitely think this is this is number one uh, there. They got their record this far without Kawhi, and like you said earlier, Rudy Gay has been one of those players that they have been able to rely on. Now I think he's going to step back a little bit. Uh, his minutes will be restricted, and I think they're going to do some sort of a rotation that, first of all, they're going to ease Kawhi in. It's not going to be like Kawhi's going to come out there and play, you know, his 38 minutes a night. They're going to ease him in, and I think this is just another way and another excuse for Popovich to sort of give his players rest. And he's going to rotate mm-hmm. between Gasol, mm-hmm. between all his players. We've seen it already. He's already rested this, uh, some players this year on a national tele- televised night. So Popovich doesn't really care. He Right after he when he was asked care. about it, he said, we got five games in seven days. So that's why I did it. I think the guy who's going to take the biggest hit, I guess, when it comes to minutes, is Kyle Anderson, who's currently logging 27.4 minutes per game. Um, both, like Kyle Anderson, like I was talking about before, is a homeless man version of Ka- Kawhi Leonard, basically. <laughs> I, I, again, I was going to say the exact opposite. I think the young guys are going to get the opportunity because of this. The older guys, and I guess my whole point of that is the older guys are going to get a lot more rest. We'll have to be They're going to rely on them. 33.4 minutes per game. When it comes to yep. Greg Popovich staggering minutes, him, typically guys Gasol, will play over 30 minutes per game with the exception of Kawhi yeah. Leonard. Him, Gasol, and Rudy Gay, I think, are all the ones that you're going to see scaled back so that they can save them for the playoffs. So does, like we just talked about the Houston Rockets being a viable contender tender to dethrone the Golden State Warriors. You think the inclusion of the current San Antonio Spurs with the added surplus of Kawhi Leonard makes them a viable contender this season? Absolutely. I mean, last, like who, who, I'm in the camp that said if Kawhi year, didn't get injured, they would have beaten Golden State who's last more year. Than them? They were no, up by 27 in the fourth quarter. For sure, though. I, but I still, again, that it, means they were they were sure as hell competitive. When he was injured, they were winning the series, right? Who's like, a better team. Who, who do you knows? Think is a better team right now if they played Golden a seven State. game series with the Golden inclusion State. of Ka- no with the inclusion of Kawhi Leonard and the Houston Rockets? Who? wins the Summit Game Series between Houston and San Antonio. I think it goes to Game 7 if Golden State has home. It, again, it it's a coin toss for me. A complete coin toss. I, I, I think either of them could win it. You know, it might not get to that if they place 1-2, but right? Uh, hypothetically still speaking. Clo- no, right? But Golden State doesn't have a stranglehold on, on, on the conference. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, they're they playing without Curry right now. I mean, no, that's plays, what I mean. So they're, but they're going to end up in a seed where they're going to have to probably go through both those teams, and I would love to see that. Yeah, and the Spurs, I mean, this was the opportunity for other teams in the West to take on the Spurs. When Kawhi was injured at the start of the year, they were supposed to make the Spurs go into, you know, seventh place in the West, force them into that position, and have to fight their and claw their way back. Instead, they're in third place. Their record's fantastic. Kawhi now is coming back. If anything, they look stronger than they did last year. Ultimate testament to an organization, man. Having a guy like Leonard go down, and then now you're in a position where you're right there to now compete for top spot in the conference. So, moving on to the last subject for the six, um, people talk about the the best league pass team, and what that basically means is what is the funnest team to watch. We're not talking about who is the best team in the NBA, um, who applies the best strategy. We're talking about the team that is just absolutely fun to watch. Um, for me personally this season, I do enjoy watching some Portland Trailblazers basketball. They're just a fun uh, team to watch. Yeah, I, I do. Like, I agree. Like the backcourt of CJ McCollum and yeah. Damian Lillard, they're so similar but so dissimilar. CJ McCollum's like a spot-up two-point jump shooter. Damian Lillard's a dynamic slasher, also three-point shooter. Nurchik is such a physical presence in the low post. You know, I have so many interesting parts like Maurice Harkless or Evan Turner, mm-hmm. etc. Just a really good supporting cast as well. They're just a fun team to watch. Again, they're not going to win the NBA championship anytime soon, but they're just a fun, exciting organization to watch on a nightly basis. Christian, who is your league pass? I think I said this earlier in the year. Philadelphia. Philadelphia is one of those things that basically, or one of those teams that Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, they're so exciting. I don't know. For me, uh, it's definitely going to be those guys. Uh, And I think, I don't know. uh, Marco Foltz is healthy again. Yeah, well, it used to it used to be Golden State, and that Golden State used to be the team for me that where they had the run and gun offense. Honestly, even with Monte Ellis out there, that's mm-hmm. when I liked watching Golden State when they were absolute shit. Mm-hmm. And Jason Richardson era. Yeah, exactly. But I like Philadelphia. I like watching them grow. I think Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid are. are are really fun to watch. It's fun, play like, off it's, each other. it's fun seeing the evolution of that team. Like, like, like exactly. watching it and like seeing how they're like figuring out how to play with each other. Sarge yeah. too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, honestly, just the the. They're easily my favorite team to watch right now on League Pass because I'm in. I'm in. Did you guys see that game against LA right now as well? The game against the Lakers was 
probably one of the most exciting games of the season for me, honestly, mm-hmm. I'd say. Uh, it was the best game I've seen. They went back and forth, and in the end, it ended up being uh, Ingram with his weird haircut hitting the final three and yeah, off the walls. That was a gr- that was the most entertaining game for me this year in the NBA. And again, it's Philadelphia, it's the Lakers, it's two young teams, and you get to see almost a bit of the future. Great, you got a team. Well, right now I'm actually watching the Spurs on my phone, and Kawhi looks friggin' fantastic. My favorite team to watch on League Pass, other than the New Orleans Pelicans and OKC train wreck, that's just fun to watch for the personalities, is definitely the Houston Rockets. That's my favorite team. Keep it short and simple. All right, so uh, my least favorite team to watch on NBA League Pass, and I know this is pretty obvious, but I'm going to say the fucking Chicago Bulls. There's just nothing really like, That's like enticing man. and fun to watch. Like, like It's cool maybe to see the evolution of Laurie McCannon. Uh, Zach Levine's still injured. Their lean score is Justin Holiday. They got smoked by the Golden State Warriors, 143 to 94. Oh my They're God. Just, like, maybe it's a fun game to watch, to watch an organization get their teeth smashed in, but when it comes to just fan enjoyment of watching a basketball game, the Chicago Warriors have, I mean Chicago Warriors, Chicago Bulls have literally <laughs> nothing fun about them whatsoever. Like, there's nothing that excites me about the contract of that organization. Well, just quickly, they beat Boston when Kyrie was out, and I think that just, it quickly says something about Kyrie for MVP. Just, just gonna throw that out there, okay. but I think Atlanta, Atlanta is one of the, my least... You're I mean, a big Taurine Prince guy? To be perfectly honest <laughs> with you, I have not watched one Atlanta game this year. They and be, they're up there in the discussion as well. I, I think that's for sure number one. The, Spurs, the crowd sucks too. The Spurs are my are my least what? watched team. They're so boring. Are you insane? No, no, you know what it is? The Warriors. I can't stand watching them. It's not fun. It's not fair. Why do you even watch? It's not competitive. They're just gonna flip a switch and like kill the other team. Demor- and then Steph Curry's gonna like take a fake shit on on the opposing team. I court. love watching the flip of the switch because you oh. never know when it's gonna happen and they can yeah. explode for twenty. And I bet on them a lot, so I'm kind of biased. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, like there, there's a, a litany of teams in the NBA that could be in yeah. discussion for like, but you know, like the even Jazz. the worst team in the West. No, Conference, Donovan Mitchell's awesome. Like yeah, the Western Conference, true. for example, like Dallas Mavericks. You know, they're they're shitty. They're seven and twenty. But like seeing Dennis Smith Jr. every single night, we still seeing Disco Dirk kind of do his thing, maybe more to a limited degree. But like the Grizzlies are also kind of fun to watch. Tyreek Evans off the bench. Kings are a young up and coming oh, team. Come on, man. The Grizzlies, the Grindhouse. I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't you're know. probably right. I, I, the Grizzlies are pretty good. <laughs> those, those like unenthused men. Memphis fans. All right, so our last segment of the day, North America's favorite new segment on a podcast. We'll give the no. throw. We'll give the the, the mic to Gregory Yoroshadis. Greg, I know you have a gripe about last night's performance with the LA Clippers. We normally talk about in detail when we started the podcast. Tell me what frustrates you the most about last night's performance, and what do we need to improve uh, from that obvious shitty loss. That we Look, heard last night. I know Raptors Nation is as pissed off as I am after that game because it was one of those games that, Brandon, you have to win games like that if you're serious about doing anything. You have to beat teams that you should beat. And, you know, you lose games to some really good teams and that happens through the season. Okay, But you beat teams on nights like this, especially when you hear that the teams that are above you have just lost. Mm-hmm. So you have a chance to make up a game and you know this because you have a late like game you're on the west coast. Right? So they must have known that those teams that they were playing had lost. At least they know at halftime. Mm-hmm. Okay? And you st- and, and you show up and you lay that egg. I know they, you know, look, they look like they were a road-weary team as Jack Armstrong said, it uh that to be honest from looked like they all went out last night and I guess they didn't take JV with them. He's the only one that showed up. Mm-hmm. And then if you're doing Casey, you're not actually... Ro- and I know the JV Hive agrees with me on this, but because every other player, you're letting roll with their playing time. They're playing good, I'm going to let them roll. That's what's working. But in the fourth quarter uh, last game, when J- even before that, right, when JV's rolling, you're still keeping his minutes so tight and afraid to play him in defensive scenarios, I guess. And because of that, we got absolutely manhandled inside. DeAndre Jordan gets big rebounds at the end of games, which, which is often in basketball games deciding factors and why you need rebounding. Okay? And, you know, you don't roll with the guy that's been your only positive sign all game. Um, well, like, 
It's not the end of the world, but it's again, if you're a serious team, you have to take care of games like this. Well, it comes especially to the, when you see that, that the teams above you have just lost. When it comes to the predictability of like the NBA, it's 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 difficult to say we don't know what's going to happen every single season. Coming into season, we we had a pretty small inclining that there are going to be a small group of teams that are going to be vying for the NBA championship. Most of them are from the Western Conference. So when it comes to the Toronto Raptors basketball, we are a, a championship contender, but we got to rethink what conference goal we're contender. Working. Exactly. So winning the Eastern Conference okay. and, and and how close the Eastern Conference this season, especially with the emergence of the Boston Celtics, the improved recent play with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Exactly. It's a game of inches, and winning games like this are absolutely integral when it comes to winning the Eastern Conference. It's the six inches! It's the six inches! In front of your face! <laughs> like, to, to me, this is simple. It's it's a back-to-back. Like, I had this game circled on my calendar as a loss a while ago, just but simply because it's a back-to-back. Can you say that all the time? Can you say that? Look, it's a back-to-back on the West Coast. This game's being pl- ending at 1.30 in the morning in, in their time right now. They played in Sacramento the night before that. I don't think they're going out. I think they're going on a plane right after the game at 6, getting to LA, and then pretty much they getting ready for three this. Three days in like, LA. Come on. You don't they spent three days in California. You don't think those guys went well, the, out did they had, from uh, there? They probably were at his house barbecuing. Well they had a oh, game the night in before. Room, writing in his journal or something. Well, they had a game the night before. They didn't have <laughs> very much time drink, for man. barbecuing. I don't know, man. Well, then look, then then they just they're just tired. That's all it is. But, it's but one of those ones you just though. why so they didn't play the night before. No, but everyone's injured on that team. But they still have Lou Williams. No, Plus, <laughs> we're not yeah. recognizing the importance of the Serbians, ver- Serbia's very own Milos Teodosic to the oh. uh, the look of the clip. Well, when he hit that three again, that three was uh, he never. Sh- but that he was never that's what it was for that three. He, it was a hand, Kyle Lowry had a hand in his face. Not that that really ever matters when Kyle Lowry's defending someone. You but. can't let guys like that beat like the, like what's his uh, your your boy from Louisville, Demontres, Harold, Demontres Harold. Yeah, that right? was a bad injury. He absolutely Montrez destroyed Pirtle. Yeah, because Montrez Harold is Pirtle saw saw the ghost of of of, of Christmas. And I don't know. He was just absolutely. Montrez uh, uh, Harrell's a second-round pick. That guy's going to be playing pissed off to earn his keep. And he also, scared Pirtle. He yeah. punked him. He's six foot eight as well. He has like a four or five inches, four or five inches shorter. All right, guys, thank you very, very much for listening. Again, pick you can it up. Cat- pick it up. You guys can catch us on <laughs> get some rest at Toronto Sport Matters. Again, we are on SoundCloud as well. And thank you very much for tuning in, guys. We reach podcast number thirty. Um, if this is reaching you in any capacity whatsoever, I just want to thank you very, very much for listening. Um, again, subscribe, give us your comments, give us a feedback, give us a five-star rating if you want. Thank you very much for listening, and have yourself a fantastic rest of your week. Peace out, D-Dot.